Hi, I'm Elizabeth Dawson, and welcome to Ways to Love Your Money. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about one of the uncomfortable conversations, which is about what if a partner or spouse dies and you weren't necessarily prepared for it? What should you do? Uh, this is a topic that most people, they kind of freak out about, but we don't want you to. So stay tuned. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk about our new website also, waystoloveyourmoney.com. Welcome back to Ways to Love Your Money. I'm Elizabeth Dawson, and if you're watching, you can see behind me our, vi our video piece here, which is from our website, Ways to Love Your Money. There's so many different pieces here. So the shows there, which you're you know listening to or watching, as well as there's our Friday Tip of the Week, you know, relaxing retirement videos. We also have our fireside chat there as well. If you haven't been able to listen to a fireside chat in the past, they're actually listed here on the site. There's been topics about the Paycheck Prote Protection Program. There's been topics about uh, mortgage, about real estate, and how all this pandemic has really affected us and how we've had to adapt to new things. So if you have any interest, please check it out. We're going to have a great show today talking about something of a little bit of an uncomfortable subject, but what to do if your spouse or partner dies prematurely and maybe you weren't prepared. So with that, we're going to go into the next show. It's important for you to kind of listen in um, and see if there's any tips that could actually help you because if you've never gone through it, you might want to listen to some of us that have. So again, stay tuned. We'll be right back for the show. Hi, welcome back. I'm Elizabeth Dawson. We're here with Ways to Love Your Money, and here's a money conversation for us. What if our spouse or partner dies prematurely and we just weren't ready for it? Even if it wasn't premature, if you don't have family that's going to help you, where do you start? Uh, one of the things I'd like to say from a personal standpoint is take your time because this is nothing you have to rush into to figure out. But where to start? Where to start? So from a financial standpoint, that's the bigger concern. The average widow or widower has a loss of income of about 54% in the United States. So income is going to be one of the first places we're going to need to look. So I have a few different things to kind of talk about here. If there was a will or a trust or any kind of estate planning documents, you want to pull those out first. If you're not as familiar with it, which there's a lot of family members that are, aren't, and even if you are a child helping out a parent, this is maybe where if you're not comfortable reading it or going through it and you're the trustee or the executor or executrix of the, of the will, then maybe you want to go to the legal team that put this together for your your loved one. And if that's the case, then you follow it by direction. There's a lot of steps to follow. What happens, when it happens, who it happens to, or who gets what. Uh, again, take your time, process. This is something where you have to go through the grieving process as well. Another piece here is that, is there a life insurance policy? If it's someone that's still working, could they have had a life insurance contract through their employer? You might want to contact the employer to see what you, know, what you could find out. There's benefits there. The other piece I want to bring up here is that if they own life insurance and you know where the policy is or the policy information is and you can call that company, that's where you'd want to make a claim. The second thing here is Social Security because if your loved one is on Social Security, then basically when that person dies, the Social Security dies, but there might be survivor benefits or there might be a very small death benefit that comes from Social Security to the family. But let's say you have minor children. If you have minor children, then they would actually have a Social Security benefit that comes to them as well. 
Most people don't know these things. So we want to give you a little bit of a piece of information. The other thing I would look at is when you're calling and talking to the employer, if they're still employed, did they have a 401k? Did you look at any brokerage statements? Did you, do you know any of these things? Do they have like an asset sheet that you can follow? For our clients, we put together a net worth statement, which is an asset identification statement. We want to know where our client's information is, their account numbers, the, the uh, companies that they're doing business with, what benefits are there, and who would be maybe even beneficiaries to those. So if you're working with an advisor, your advisor should work with whomever is going to be the trustee or, uh, or executor or executrix of your estate so that they know where to go to actually help out. But from a spouse point of view or a partner point of view, you'll want to know these pieces as well too because what was your loved one's wishes? What did they want? Did they already protect you in the event that something were to occur? Is there someone that you need to speak with like their financial advisor that they were working with? More than likely, if they had all that set up, then you know. But if, you, if they didn't have that set up, where do we start? Another place we want to call is the bank. If we're on the bank account, we're doing great. But if it now goes directly to an estate plan, we want to know if it's in the name of the living trust. Am I the trustee? What do I have to do? These are all questions that are going to be coming confusing. So having kind of a structure of things to delegate to yourself in a time and orderly fashion. This might take you a few months. It's okay. Now, there might also be some things like uh, brokerage statements or a pension account. You want to know what those are so that you know how to act appropriately. And maybe possibly your income won't drop as significantly as it was when you were both together. People will need more money as time goes on. So why is this an important conversation? If it's too difficult for you to have this conversation with yourself and do this, maybe ask a family member to help you. Or maybe it's a sibling, someone that might be able to help you through this. Or again, a financial professional that can help you through this part of your life. We are guaranteed to go through it, unfortunately. We don't want to. We don't like to talk about it. But if you talk about it now before something like this happens in your life, then you're prepared. If there's children involved, how do you take care of the children? What do you do to be able to you know, mandate your role through this process? One thing I've been asked by clients over the years is, should I sell my house? It's really recommended a year or two years down the road. That's when you make those decisions. I have a friend that uh, her husband just recently passed. It was kind of something that was um, you know, kind of expected, but not so much full of life person, full of life personality. And she's been going through a lot of things, again, emotional, grief, you know, anger, all those pieces. But it's about knowing where to start and how to put the pieces together. So what does that look like for you? I'm not sure, but if you need help, Right now, this is the time to reach out. We'll be happy to help you at least organize it or find a financial professional and a legal professional to help you through it. You don't want to be dealing with probate court on your own if it has to go that far. Again, take those steps that you need for immediate, especially for liquidity and cash, so you can get through the next couple of months, and then start to design what will actually work for you. When you're emotionally ready to make decisions, it might be a year or two down the road, that's when you need to start making those kind of conversations happen. Take your time. This is the biggest thing I can say is breathe, take care of yourself, take care of your mental state, take care of the love that you um, have for your loved one that's no longer here, and, and really enjoy this time to celebrate their life because you enjoyed this person in your life all along. So again, I'm going to have these steps. We'll, if you need to reach out for more steps, we'll be happy to reach out to you. But again, I'll be back in just a moment with our closing statements. And if you have any questions about this particular subject, email us at questions with an S 
at elizabethwithanasdawson.com. We'll be right back. This is such a delicate topic because even one of our employees here in our firm has a friend that the father just passed and uh, his daughter is maybe in her mid-20s and doesn't necessarily know where to go first, but the father's been remarried and dad didn't have everything set up. He didn't have it organized, didn't have it organized for the children. And she doesn't know where to start, even if there is any ability for her to start. In some cases we see this, that sometimes the new spouse might be the true beneficiary of things if things weren't changed or set up. Surprises happen all the time. We're living in an era of COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you wanna call it. And this has put fear in a lot of people that maybe someone could actually die in your world unnecessarily and unexpected. We pray and hope it doesn't happen that way, but life is changing as we know it. And life changes every day. We don't ever expect, and we don't have a crystal ball to know when we're gonna die. But it's our responsibility because only maybe between two and four percent of the United States population actually plans for this. So there's a huge, huge opportunity for people to actually get in a better place. So one of our questions that was asked of us this week was, what is the difference between a will and a trust? Either or or together. So what does a will do? A will pretty much dictates where you want your personal effects to go. It'll tell about a little bit of a personal story, but it's not something that um, doesn't negate you from going through probate. So if you have an estate worth more than $100,000, your estate will go through probate. It'll go through the court system. It will go through attorneys and judges to be able to basically um, put it in the right place that it needs to go. So if your family doesn't have a will or a trust, the reality is it's gonna go through probate. So what is probate? I think that's a bigger question here. Probate is something where uh, the estate has to be probated. There's probate attorneys that deal with estates for the beneficiaries. There's um, judges that actually work in this and it can become very, very costly. If this is something that you don't want because you thought, gosh, you know, I don't need to do that. I don't need to spend two or $3,000 on a living trust to be able to get everything to work out the way we want it to. Um, I don't need to do that, but then the day comes and we didn't do anything. So let's talk about the difference. What's a living trust? A living trust is an estate plan. So it has all those wishes and dreams and goals that you have in your will, but it takes it a step further. It's a legal document. And if everything is named to the living trust, there's no reason to go to probate. Your family doesn't have to go through that nightmare. Okay, so a living trust actually dictates your healthcare power of attorney, your financial power of attorney, who will become the trustee if you are no longer here. You know, it gives you control to go to the bank. It gives you control even if your, your loved one is still alive and you need to act on their behalf. So it gives you a whole lot more ability to do things versus just letting the court system decide for you. We want our world to be more simple. And for when we are no longer here, we want our world to be simple for the ones that we leave behind. So with this, I say in good, um, good texture here, I just want you to understand that there's a lot more to know than thinking that you have a plan. Most people think they have a plan. We really don't have a plan. So don't be part of that two to, you know, the 96% of the United States that doesn't have an estate plan. Start to get the facts. Don't leave a mess behind and, you know, do it the way you want to. It's what we call control. We are all control people. You know, in our lives, we're working really hard for everything that we build, but what happens when we die? We wanna be out of control? No, you wanna be in control. So that is your control from the grave, so to speak. 
Um, you can make a pun about it if you want, but it is truly about designing something that is worth working towards for your family and your, and your loved ones that you leave behind. We never want to go, but when we do, if it's not based on our own terms or it's too quick, we just don't want to leave a mess behind. We wouldn't have done that if we were still living. So I say this with a big heart because I know how difficult that time of life can go. you can go through it. I've lost family members that uh, I wasn't ready to lose, but I was prepared about how to deal with it. So I hope this show was powerful for you. We'll be back next week with a new show. And again, if you have any questions, especially about this, or I have something here too that my team is wanting me to remind you. If you don't have all your financials in one place, we have something called a financial inventory binder. This financial inventory binder, we call it the blue binder. If the house is burning down, go grab the blue binder. But it goes into everything about you. You know, it goes into what we call your asset sheet. This is kind of hard to see on the screen, but this is your net worth statement. It has everything designed on it so that if you do have someone in your life that they need to find this, they'll know exactly where to go, who to talk to, and what to do. Again, talking about income, if we have a spouse that predeceases us, what does our income look like or drop to in the event that we're no longer there? Or vice versa. So this income for life re report is very powerful in that. Then we go into your estate plan. Your estate plan is important. It should be right in the front of this book. In the event that something actually happens to you, you want to make sure that all of your information is all in one place. Now, old school, what ends up happening is that we do these file cabinets that have a bunch of stuff. We don't know where anything is from homeowner's insurance to life insurance to our retirement plans to our brokerage statements. They're all miscellaneous files. Let's say you have rental property too. They're all miscellaneous files. Well, what we do is we strive to put that all in one binder and that binder has everything in it. So you might not have thought you were prepared, but once you have one of these, you will be prepared. If you're interested in getting a personal financial inventory binder made up for you, reach out to us and set up an appointment at 619-640-2622. It would be an honor to help you get that established. All right, take care. And again, if you have any questions, send them, send them along at questions with an S at Elizabeth with an S, Dawson.com. Take care. information provided in this show is for informational and educational purposes only. This show is not investment advice, nor is it intended to address the financial needs of any particular viewer. The opinions expressed on this show are not intended to be an endorsement of any particular investment strategy or service of any other kind. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned throughout the show. Before acting on information in this show, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular situation and strongly consider seeking advice from a financial advisor.